0: It C would be Dallas. better if you played Enter Shakiri, but we don't want to get into copyright problems. Oh yeah, I don't get that joke. Those don't hips don't lie, Peter. The band? Oh. No, that's Shakira. Oh no, that's
1: somebody different.
2: Oh man! Oh my God, this is this is a terrible dismount.
0: Third degree, the third degree, never forget. Third degree, the third degree, never Podcast.
2: Third Degree, the podcast, is brought to you by Soccer90. Now, that is your source, Soccer90.com. That is for all your U.S. national team, FC Dallas, and international club gear. They got a little bit of everything, like new stuff from Juventus, Manchester United, yep, Ronaldo jerseys, Arsenal, and more. And you third-degree listeners get 25% off your order when you use the code, say it with me now, third Degree at checkout over at the very awesome Soccer90.com. Well, hello there FC Dallas curious fans with eight games remaining in the season and a new old coach The same group of players and a owner and a technical director who are insistent that this team can still make the playoffs Giggle giggle We'll talk about what is coming up for this Saturday's big game under the new manager here on this new episode of third degree the podcast hi it's me peter and joining us today first is a man having fun at darby's expense dan crook dan dan oh dan isn't with us he's running late we just started without him so Luckily, I know he's on time because he's my hero, your hero, everybody's hero, soccer journalist, Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz.
1: Hi, Peter. How are you? I literally, whenever time, that's the second time you've done that bit with Dan. I think it's been a long time since so you did it. And every time you've done it, I'm like... Did he just forget that Dan's not here? <laughs> 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 For a second, I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> I secretly
2: hope that maybe Dan popped on uh, yeah. and surprised us and uh, is pulling a prank on us and he's actually going to be here on time. So maybe, uh, maybe Dan will pop in here later in the pod. Okay, so I feel like we were just here just a matter of hours ago talking about... The uh, stunning turn of events on Sunday when the club announced the firing of Luchi Gonzalez. And if you haven't listened to it already, we already did a 90 minute podcast about that two days ago. So we'll keep most of those thoughts over there. But I do wonder buzz in the last day and a half since we, or two days since we had that conversation, uh, do you have any extra or new thoughts or insights about the shit canning of Luchi Gonzalez?
1: Uh, not specifically. Um, there, there are some stories floating around, and I'm not sure how to put uh, how much validity they put into some of them about when exactly they may or may not have decided to pull the trigger, and, and how a certain young 18 year old striker's performance may or may not have slowed that process down a little bit. Uh, when you think back to the press conference and they talked about how long and deliberate thought went into this, and yet how everything about it seems reactionary. If you believe some of those stories, then maybe it's sort of you can make sense about how they might have decided at some point earlier in the season to do this. And then lo and behold, here came Pepe to save everybody's bacon and they put together a string of runs. So then they didn't do it. And then, of course, Maurer and Brisson got hurt and the thing went to trash and then, OK, now we're doing it again. So uh, probably both those things are true that they didn't think about it for a long time and also true that it was a knee jerk reaction to the embarrassing performance in Houston.
2: I uh, I said in that podcast, and I've even I even was uh, willing to tweet it out my prediction of what the next coach would be, because if as I've said repeatedly, if anything, if I've learned anything about the hunts and how they do business is, it's always the most obvious answer. Very rarely do they ever do anything too surprising. Now, maybe this is one of those instances, I suppose, but I really believed, or I continue to believe, that the obvious answer for who the next coach is is that if He coaches well, and they do well in these next eight games. It's Marco's job to lose. And if he does crappy, then Eric Quill, because it checks all of the obvious boxes, at least it does in my head. But I will share with you, in the last 24 hours, I had a conversation with somebody um, who's been in those circles, who knows a lot of the players and stuff, and really began to sell me on the concept that relates back to a conversation or an idea or a theory, I don't know what you want to call it, that the three of us talked about, starting back at the beginning of the season which was the zanata influence theory which is how much has andre zanata who by the way wasn't here when lucci was hired walked into this place and went wait we got a guy that's never done this before as coach i can do better than that and starts chirping in dan's ear and as the results got worse the chirping got louder and somehow what we're going to end up with is a zanata guy Right. Because if you really pay attention to the room over the course of the last several months and year or so, certain people have been picked off that weren't Zanata hires. There's been some coaching changes. There's been this change, this and that's happened. And now Lucci's out. And the guy that is producing all the results for this team in terms of generating revenue and putting them in the news is 100% Andre Zanata. And if there's a golden child within the company right now, it's that cat. And I do now wonder if maybe that's really the path and the angle we should be looking at towards who's going to really pick the next manager for this club.
1: Yeah, some of the people that I've talked to lately that are some employees of the club, some of are rats, some people just that are close to the club. You know, we've, we, you and I on this pod and, and Dan and, and, and for years, we've talked about the idea that the Hunts always say that they're going to do this big worldwide search. And then it always comes back to somebody they know. I still feel like that's more than likely true. But there's a lot of people that have said to me now that, well, this one feels a little different now. And I think that Zanata is that X factor. And I was thinking back to when she was hired in the first place. Muzi was either out the door or was partway out the door at that point, uh, and Zanata had not been hired. So there was no technical director at that press conference. And then I think back to when Oscar was hired. When Oscar was hired, I'm pretty sure that Clavijo was already technical director from my memory, that Clavijo started at the very tail end of Chalice Hyman's era, the last year, year and a half or so. I don't remember Clavijo being around for Pareja's press conferences and coaching higher press conferences and, and Clavio talk about, we're going to go do this or that. I think I remember it being only the hunts.
2: Yeah. I seem to remember Clavijo came after Oscar was hired. I, I don't I
1: think. think so. I, I'd have to double check on my spreadsheet, but I'm pretty sure that, um, that Barry Gorman was, was Shellis' TD. And they they made the disastrous, uh, <laughs> Dax McCarty problem. <laughs> and by the end of that year, Gorman got fired. And that within the next season or so, Pareho, uh, Clavijo was hired. That's the way my memory goes.
2: Yeah, we need to fact check that. I yeah, that's a weird one. But I, I'm with you. Either whether he was here or not, he didn't ever feel like he was part of that decision making process.
1: No, I, I I don't remember Clavijo being trotted out in front of people. Is my my point more than it is like when exactly he was hired or not? Do you remember Clavijo oh, ever being put up in front of? The like as the hiring process is starting and being like, oh no, the Clavio is going to be hiring the next coach. So th- no. that's why I mean by it feels like a different uh, scenario to me that Zanata's out there and Zanata's making the hire. And I am correct by the way. Clavio started in 2012. I okay. was there for the last two seasons of Shell Hyman and Doug Quinn. By the way, it wasn't until Doug Quinn had his falling apart. And then Shellis left at the end of that season that Dan Hunt took over at the start of 2014 when Oscar took over Right. And Clavio was already in his third season by then. Was that the
2: year when the whole family got together and said, Hey, look, we really need to find something for Dan to do. We just <laughs> give him the soccer team. He <laughs> seems, he seems interested in it. Let him, let, let's yeah. see what he can do. Do
1: we know exactly when the Dan and Clark bought the team from HSG? No, I don't remember exactly when that was. So you're
2: asking me questions. I don't have off the top. I, my I don't
1: head think anybody head. knows exactly when the answer to that question was. That would be an interesting question as well. Um, but yeah, that Clavio had two seasons Basically, like at that point, there was both president and technical director, and then Clavio was there two years, and then Dan became president. So now there's only technical director and owner sitting around, you know. But so. I,
2: I get your point. No, yeah. the, no, Andre Zanata does represent a different change in tactic in terms of how they put somebody like that out in front and yeah. uh, in, in front of the crowd. They didn't really ever parade um, um, him, um, Clavijo, around very much.
1: Yeah, well, certainly not the last few years, but even prior to that, no, they did. I don't remember him being out front and center on many talking points at all, frankly. Most of his work seemed to happen behind the scene with Dan Hunt out there doing it all. Anyway, bottom line is, it feels a little bit different this time. I don't know if it's different enough. You know, in the end, the money is what it is, and they, and how much does Danada talk about you have to buy into our DNA? I think those two things are still true, and I still think the Hunt Trust is still true. But there is a little bit of a different vibe this time. A little bit of a different vibe. We'll see if it makes a difference.
2: Yeah, and I I want because I'm really personally torn. I'm torn between my adage of just follow the most obvious answer and also believing in the fact that well, hey, this, wait a second, we talked about this concept of Zenata being a guy driving a new direction months and months ago, and that was clearly on our radar back then. And I'm and I'm confused as to which part of this I should be listening to and believing in more. Um, I guess time will tell and Yeah, I shouldn't be surprised to be at, at, at this point. I guess really what it's going to come down to is the type of coach they hire. Somebody with a lot of experience and a big pedigree and a resume, which is what I think you would get if Sonata ends up winning this, Yeah, uh, relative to anybody else that the Hunts are going to hire, which will end up being Marco Ferruzzi or Eric Quill. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like oh, I'm not yeah, no, saying, he's bringing in a, a Tata Martino uh, Martinez. I think he's bringing in one of these guys that we have on our list that uh, have relatively large South American resumes, yeah. and they'll see what they can do.
1: Yeah. So. No, I, I agree with you that that's we're going to find out. I, I was talking to somebody today, and I said, listen, I don't, I don't wish wish ill will on anybody. Of course, but when a coach gets fired, it becomes a fascinating time for us, even more so when there's um eight games left in the season, and we get both the run of the interim coach trying to win the job and the players trying to win jobs or not, if they don't want to be here and the new technical director, what does he want? The owner's typical style. What do they want? Then you're going to have the off season moves are going to happen really quickly because there's always an expansion draft. And then it's like, okay, what does the new guy do? Is he rebuilding? Is he jettisoning guys? How much time is he going to have to look? Are they going to do some, if they don't make the playoffs, will they do some postseason training with a new coach? How fast does that happen? I mean, the next three months are going to be for us, so much fun. We're going to have so much stuff to talk about. You know, again, I don't wish Will Lucci, but man, what a time to be covering a team when when this kind of
2: chaos is going to be happening over the next t- three months. It'll yeah. be fun. Yeah, and the whole uh, Marco thing, uh, you know, I've got a lot of questions about what do these players have to play for at this point? You know, what is Marco really in a I mean, Marco's position I find really interesting in the fact that he's a guy that is kind of playing for his gig but he's not playing for a gig because in the same press conference, Dan said he's playing for his future, but he'll always be a coach here is essentially what he said, because if he does crappy in this role, they'll just keep him in the role that he's in. So he's not, he's not at risk at, at anything here. Um, it's almost like he joined a game show and he's playing with house money hmm. at this point.
1: Well, we'll talk about it more in a little bit, but uh, I can assure you that he absolutely is desperately wants this gig and is bringing it a hundred percent as much as he can
2: To get it. So this is, and we'll talk about some of that later. We can, but I will also uh, post this concept. There's a difference between coaching for this gig because you want it and coaching for this gig because you know if you screw it up, you're out of work, period. Yeah, that's fair. And there is a huge difference in those two things. Yep. Um, And I guess we'll find out. All right, so unfortunately, out of all of this, what we have still yet to talk about is the trigger effect that caused all of this, at least I don't know, maybe it did, maybe it didn't, was that utterly embarrassing loss in Houston, which has so many components of indicators that something haywire was going on that does lead me to wonder if maybe what ended up happening on Sunday was something that maybe had begun to happen in the works and the players had found out beforehand because of some of the reactions after the, one, the way the team just flat out played, I'd like to believe that maybe that's just the result of three games in seven days. But in hindsight, you do begin to wonder. Um, and two, some of the post-game reaction, too, where they didn't really uh, seem to go out and say anything to the fans. But yeah. overall, it was just a really crummy performance in Houston.
1: Yeah, I, I think some of the riding's probably on the wall at that point. I, I Listen, when you watch that game's performance, and I told you that I had somebody, that a national media guy, text me and be like, they quit. And I, I watch, go back and watch the game and the goals, and there is a whole lot of quit happening on that field. I'm not talking about like just guys getting beat. Like, you know, Justin Shea got roasted multiple times, but he also got exposed on an island because that game is a perfect example of what happens when you play a 4-4-1-1 and the two outside wings don't check back and play the proper defensive position on top of the outside backs. You get guys getting double overloaded, which is exactly what happened on the first goal. The left back, Lunkvist came forward and overloaded Che and, and Obrion reacted late. And so Che got wrecked. Not all mm-hmm. his fault, but he got wrecked. And the second goal, same thing on the other side. Paxton was walking back up the field, didn't get back in position, and Tumasi got overloaded. Again, not his fault. He covered the right, correct guy. But when you include those two guys not getting back and defending with two holding mids that weren't, were kind of walking back a little bit too – you just, the defense just melted down without and didn't show the fight and the will and the determination. The only players that really showed that late were uh, Jesus Ferreira and Ricardo Pepe. Both were showing a lot of spirit, really, the whole game. Jesus kept getting people's faces. And then Obreon, tenacious at the end, although he was lacking a lot early. So overall, just a really embarrassing performance and not a surprise and that's why the next day when I was like, are you shocked? No, i caught off guard. Yes, but not shocked because you could watch that game and go, that's the kind of trigger game that triggers the hunts when you compare it to the Steve Morrow five zero L.A. game where they got blasted and then he, they got, he got fired the next day. And when you get fired on a Sunday, that's triggered firing. That's reactionary firing. That's not planned out. Coming on Monday, we're going to sit down and sign the paperwork firing. That's, you know what I mean? That's That's different
2: well it was another game in which they gave up three goals and that now goes back three four of the last five games they have given up three goals now yeah they beat Austin five three um, and they tied New York City in in uh, New Jersey three3 three, but the uh, amount of leaking of goals was just man it's There's so many things that we've talked about on this podcast that lead to it. But in that game in particular, Buzz, I agree with you. There was a lot of quit. Because when you see Paxton Pomacall, our hero, walking back in that situation, you either wonder one of two things. Is he hurt and not 100%? Or has something happened for him just to not care enough to do it anymore? Because that is very, very unlike Paxton Pomacall.
1: Yeah, and this is a game where I didn't put any of it on Philippe. It was just... And, Dan, I don't know what you thought about watching this team play. Oh, but wait. I, is Dan here with us now? Yeah, Dan's here. Oh, I was going to yeah. ask Dan what he thought about the the, the mentality because I, I saw, like, for the whole first 60 minutes maybe, I saw guys that were not particularly fussed uh, about the fact that it's Houston and this is a game where you should leave blood on the field kind of thing. You know?
0: Yeah, I, I didn't see anyone that turned up for a derby game. I didn't see anyone uh, itching to, uh, you know, Get one back for uh, Carlos uh kick to the head from Ricardo Clark, or or anything. Uh, it was weird as well from from the younger guys. Uh, you know they've played these games that you know ever since they were twelve years old, and they're the ones that every year talk about, oh yeah, we've dominated the academy derbies, so we want to do the first team derbies. And it was it was guys like Brandon and. And Paxton are just like strolling around the park, kind of looking around. It was a bad game all the way around. And the thing that I
2: can't quite cotton in my head is how Obreon managed to score two more goals yeah. and and <laughs> now is like second on the team. I mean, he is. Is this this is the most Roland Lamar version two season I have I could ever imagine would ever happen to this team again?
1: Yeah, listen, we, we've talked to death about the fact that he's only doing half the gig and. On the offensive end, the big difference for me is like the last four or five times he's been in games, he stopped seeking penalties, stopped seeking foul calls. He's he's fighting through some play. He's fighting through some of those defenses. And it's all the difference in the world in terms of his success rate. Now, listen, I still think there are other guys I would rather have start. I still think he's mostly useful as a late sub. We just talked about how he totally exposed Justin Shea for the first 60 minutes of the game. Right. but. When a guy, bang, I mean, the second one was a bomb. You know, when you do, when you score like that, you're going to play again. He's going to play again. And four goals in two games is a heck of a quick run. So, I mean, as on fire as he is, you just got to compensate for him defensively. But,
2: um, you know, I, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's mind blowing. It is. and it's the, yeah. uh, And you know what it is? It's the comic relief of this season. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> he is the cowbell. In an SNL skit, no doubt yeah. about it. Okay, do we really have to talk about the Houston game anymore? Is no. there anything really worth talking about it? It's terrible, and I don't really care anymore. And um, and I don't want more people telling me I'm wrong about Fafa Pico because I know I'm right about Fafa Pico. I'm good for him for having another good game against Dallas, but whatever. He's also on a terrible, terrible team.
1: Yeah, he's actually tied his career high ten goals. I looked it up just because I was amazed by how much he scored lately. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, is he kind? Is Pepe doing the same thing, just being the kind of good player on a terrible team and making themselves look better? Yeah. Oh no.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we should mention the fact that in the hours prior to us recording this, at least one source is reporting that Pepe's people and FC Dallas are somehow in negotiations and within the next couple of weeks will announce a deal. For Pepe to go to some random club, a couple of what is it? It's two clubs in Italy and one club in Germany that are interested in no, him. I, buzz.
1: I think it's three Italian, two English, and two German. If I remember correctly, it doesn't matter. It's a lot. I mean, it's it's the same thing with Reynolds. Like thirty p- clubs called. It's right. just how ha- it's who's going to show up with the checkbook? Who's going to be willing to deal with the shenanigans that are going to be the hunts negotiating? Because they are unbelievable with trying to do this and that and the other and mess it all up. But um, we'll see. I mean, I, I still think that the the money that that person is talking about seems right to me, you know, if a little high in the dreamland on the hop in, but in the middle part seems right. So I, we'll see. I, it's not going to surprise
2: me at all if he goes this winter, frankly, you know, I have not thought about this until just now. Can anybody, Dan, you're really good with this part. Can, has, fc dallas yet come out on the winning end of a sell-on clause versus what they could have gotten if they had just sold it for little to no, with no additional sell-on clause or a much smaller one like chris no chris richards hasn't been resold yet has he? Uh, he's just been loaned twice loaned twice So, I mean, they've got multiples of these deals out there, right, which is, hey, we sold these guys for a little less money or maybe even a lot less money in transfer fee, because on the back end, we get a much bigger chunk of whatever their next deal is. And I'm trying to think, has any of that yet paid off in the form of a payment? And I can't think of anybody.
0: The one they're waiting for is Reggie.
1: Yeah, Acosta also did not. What about Mauro Diaz? I don't think Mauro Diaz did either.
0: No, uh-uh. Max, he had one that never got... Yeah. Obviously, he didn't get sold.
2: Yep. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Which is, with all of the, all of the you know, what they probably think is super sharp negotiating and, and cutting deals to get these guys into clubs that is going to pay them more money because these guys are going to come good when they go to Europe. I don't think that's happened yet, and I'm not... You know, I don't know. uh, Will it? I I assume one of these guys may turn a big deal, but uh, I I don't know if it works. I I, I think I think what we're going to see on a measure on balance and long term, they're going to end up screwing themselves. They could have gotten more money if they had just taken the paycheck up front.
1: I was thinking this week about how much about everything this club does now is because of Weston McKinney. (laughs) I mean, think about it, right? (laughs) Think about, like, even now, Dan said, had the line about protect the club, and uh, people were like, what the hell does that mean? I go, it means not have another Weston McKinney where mm-hmm. the guy leaves for free. Think about, like, Weston's move from Schalke to uh, Juve. That big check, that's why they do sell on clauses. Think about how they want to lock up these academy guys and get them past their 18th birthday so they can then loan them on and sell them on like Richards. It's because of Weston McKinney. It's like 90% of the way this club does business now is because of Weston McKinney and reaction to Weston McKinney. It's it's mind-blowing.
2: I was thinking about it today.
1: It just blew my mind.
2: Yeah, it is interesting to think, though, that if Weston McKinney had signed a deal with FC Dallas, would he have ever gone to Schalke? And would he then have, in turn, gone to Juventus? I, I don't think he would have. No. I think the, the path would have been very different.
1: Oh, completely different. But, I mean, that's a, you can't play the what-if game. I mean, a million things could have changed. You know, it's just, you know... Of course it would yeah. have been different because he would have been here instead of in Schelka, so it would have been different.
2: Mm. The report also, uh, the, 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 the tweet or the report, it's over at 90-Minute Football, and, I, and how uh, accurate those guys are I don't know, but it seems to be getting retweeted a lot, is that the fee that they're being talked about is actually higher than the current MLS record for a sale of an MLS player, which is Alfonso Davies, which would be, you know, throw the hunts into some sort of orgasmic stratosphere. If they, in fact, end up getting 20 plus million dollars for Ricardo Pepe. And even I think that's high.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that I think that if I read the article correctly, that's like a could reach it with blah, 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 incentives, whatever. I think the base price will be much lower than that. But it is always true that the closer you get to goal, the more you get to be in a number nine, the more your goal score, the higher the prices go. That's pretty standard. So it's, yeah. it won't shock me if he goes for more than Davies because Davies is not a nine. Davies at the time was a wing, but everyone knew he was going to be a back. You know, so it's not surprising.
2: Dan, he's gone this winter, right? Almost like 100% lock. Oh, yeah. Whoever yeah. the next coach is, no matter who it is that hires him, will not have Ricardo Pepe for the 2022 season.
0: No, I'm, I'm sure that's the first question that they're going to ask in the interview is <laughs> so, have I got the kid? No, no, you haven't.
2: <laughs> a, have you got the kid? No, he's gone. B, who do you got in line to replace him?
1: Well, that's the flip question. That's what the Hunts will ask: is you're not going to have Pepe, what are you going to do? That's the interview. But that's question. not the.
2: But that's not their job. That's that's Zanata's well, job. That's partially their job, but,
1: but you're right. It? It's mostly Zanata's job. Yeah, that's a good point. No, yeah, sure. Coach, the coach has input on all that stuff coaches no guys no players remember they just sure, in the press okay. conference they just they just said Jose Martinez and Obrien Belucci's and I'm like, great, great. Franco Harris. A Dan really Hunts.
0: disparaging way to those two guys as <laughs> they, well.
2: Yeah, that that whole conversation was really weird, and I'm not and I'm not sure that, that what they were really saying was that Lucci went out and picked those guys. It was just that Lucci really supported the the hiring of them. Is how I interpreted that. But they tried to make it sound like Lucci went out to the store without telling anybody and came back with groceries that nobody asked for.
1: I mean, those two dudes are better than Vargas, so I don't know why they wanted to blame the only one better is Shun. So it's like you know, you picked out the second and third best signing
0: <laughs> yeah. as, everyone else as, is as worse. Bad as has been in certain areas. You know, your owner talking down your second top scorer as well. He's Lucci's guy. <laughs> yeah. Just like, Wow, Look, the
2: more I think about that press conference, the more confusing and maddening I get. Uh, maddening it gets because in one because in one hand he says those types of things, and then not five minutes earlier, he's talking about the amount of firepower this team's had and how disappointed he is that they're not winning more games because of how awesome this offense is, and they're just not getting what they should be getting out of it. Or Lucci wasn't. At least that's the implication he was passing out.
1: Well, oh, there was so much contradictory stuff in that press conference you know,
2: it's
0: just hard as a goal scorer.
1: Yeah. O'Brien's got eight goals. I think he's probably fine as a signing. (laughs) If Martinez wasn't hurt, you know, at the end of the year, he looked really great to me as a starter until he got hurt. So I, you know, I don't know that those are the two guys you want to point at, say Lucci sucks and point at those two guys when those are two of the best three signings for this year.
2: Hmm. Well, all right, I guess it's time for us to move on, quit being sour grapes and, yeah. look forward and That's you got to go to do. practice today and, and talk, that is what we do, Dan. That's true. Fair enough. Um, you got to talk to the man himself. You had a little Marco Ferruzzi one-on-one. Yep. How did that go?
1: Good, good. Marco is a, uh, let's, I'm gonna talk about how he's different than Lucci. Um, if you listen to Lucci talk, Lucci gives speeches, right? He gets these, these, um, these, these sort of ideas that he sort of, keeps running them around and reformatting them in different ways. Marco's different than that. When you ask Marco a question, he actually, for one, he's a very careful talker. He does not get excited and get ahead of himself. He talks very slowly, but in know, in the sense that like he's clearly thinking about what you asked him and trying to give you a real answer. He also plays cards really close to his best. He does not give away a lot of details, deep details. He'll give you he'll give you real information. He just is really careful about what he says, you know. Um, so talking to him is kind of is very very different than Lucci. It's kind of refreshing in a lot of ways. And I've known Marco for 14 years now, so we have a pretty good relationship already. Um, we we talked today about uh, you know who who has influenced him the most as coaches, and he 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 literally has he he says cherry picked ideas from every single one of them. You know every single coach he's worked with, he has stuff he's taken from them and put into his own system. He did say that he's worked the most and the most closely with Oscar. Implication being that that's probably the closest to the kind of style that he will be as a coach and the kind of style he'll be tactically. I can tell you for sure that he's a, his his formation he likes the best is four-two-three-one, basically very similar to what the team already plays—a double pivot. He is stuck in a lot of ways with the roster that, not in a lot of ways, flat out. He he can't not make any moves. He's stuck with the roster that he has, and he's stuck with the depth chart that he has. In in pretty much most of the ways. Now he can shuffle things around, but there's no new players coming in. There's nobody coming up from North Texas. There's no surprise academy signing. You know, basically he's locked into what he has. So there will be some adaptation. There will be some slight changes, but there's not going to be a complete reinvention of the wheel. Um, and those are the biggest sort of takeaways from my conversation with him. He, I, I think there's definitely a sense that he knows that he's coaching to get this gig if, if he can, you know, that it, that his performance over eight games is going to be the, the thing that's going to get him this job or not. Uh, and there's some um, real positive sort of thinking on his part of like, I got a chance here to grab this by the wheel and determine my own fate Um but also not trying to think big picture. Definitely that message that they repeated about from the media the first day about it's just about Vancouver this week. I think that's very true based on what I saw. I don't see rotations happening that are about development. The rotations I saw happening are 100% about winning this game. So it'll be fascinating to see how it goes going forward. It's going to
2: be fun. Dan, I'm interested. Uh, we're going to jump back here for a second because you weren't here for this part of the conversation where Buzz and I were kind of talking about the two different lines of thinking about how the next coach will be hired. You know, the you know we all the the, the general thinking that this will go exactly the way it always goes. They'll hire the person in-house, which is either Marco because he coaches well, or Eric Quill if he doesn't coach well. And then the other concept of the Zanata influence, that the person that is actually going to end up getting hired next is of somebody of Andre's decision-making, which could mean any South American-type guy that he brings up here. And so when you listen to Buzz talk about Marco's position, if you're a believer in that latter theory – It may not make any difference if he wins eight games or not, because if if Zanata really is pulling the strings here and he's got somebody from South America he wants, maybe Marco's dead man walking anyway.
0: I mean, that's something that we said earlier in the season, right? It Didn't matter what Lucci does in some ways, because Marco's had, uh, sorry, Marco, uh, Andre's had his hand in kind of everything except the head coach. And that uh, he may have his guy, whether it's someone from Grêmio or someone he's crossed paths with at Sport Recife or Santos, or I mean, even when he was doing commercial crap in Mexico for Atalante, uh, you know, certain it, right to kind of he makes himself important by having a hand in in everything, to so that everything kind of works in his so favour. Do you think, if okay, so working that, let's think
2: that through. Do you think that secretly, when he goes to bed at night, in his bedtime prayers, he's hoping that the team doesn't play well over the next eight games? That being Mr. Zanata?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's kind of funny. The longer this goes on, the more I'm like, was this a power struggle or wasn't it? What do you mean? The, the whole uh, Lucci situation. Like, well, what was the power
2: between Lucci and Zanata? Yeah yeah
0: yeah it's like um, you know, just just talking to people or it's fans people close to the club or or anything it's like that that question seems to come up a lot like doesn't it sound like a power struggle to you yeah
2: does it sound like a power struggle to you
0: a little bit, especially okay. uh, more so probably because you've you've then got the owner dispar like talking in a very disparaging way about well they had two guys they were they were his guys. We did. We gave him everything you could possibly ever desire in life,
1: and even some things you wouldn't desire, like Frank O'Hara.
2: Uh, Interesting.
0: All right. Well,
2: um, anything in particular about training Buzz that people should
1: know? Oh, yeah. Uh, for one, it's the most intense session I've seen in quite some time. What does um, that mean? You know, uh, pace. There's a lot of
0: grunting. No.
1: Uh, <laughs> Physical play. Lots hey, of squats. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they do have squat racks on both sides of the field. Sorry, Buzz. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah,
2: me a question you didn't want the answer to. No, I just wanted to be silly. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> um, speed of the ball, intensity of the ball, uh, intensity of the physical play, how hard guys are moving and running, tackling. Um, Nikosi Tafari. <laughs> Just absolutely crushed Frank O'Hara today. <laughs> it made me laugh. Yes. Just destroyed him. That was good. Uh, you know, just it, it's a combination of uh, there's definitely some coach bounce, coach change bounce. That always happens for sure. Even when I talked to Marco, we talked about that. But there's definitely some intensity of from guys that maybe are are seeing a fresh opportunity. It's like, oh, there's a door open for me me to get back in. Or a guy that maybe all of a sudden is like, oh, I might not be starting this weekend. I better bring that, bring it here really quickly and try and show something. Um, And even when I talked to Marco, one thing he really talked about, and, and and again, it's the same message they repeated to the media on Tuesday, except that I wasn't running a recorder. We were just having conversations. Was this idea of intensity and was this idea of, uh, taking it one game at a time and trying to elevate, and that they had all, as a collective, not been bright enough, or sharp enough, and and shown the will to actually win games uh, last couple. So it was the most intense session I've seen in, man, maybe since early in the season, maybe even spring training, because you know it's it has that vibe of of uh, everyone's on the chopping block. Cause, it, was you know, also,
2: it was also 80 degrees today or 70-something degrees. That probably helped a lot, too. Yeah, I mean, at the
1: time start, training started, it was almost like 60, and it got up to 80 by the time, and that obviously makes it a lot better because those guys aren't getting zapped by the heat, of course, too. So all those things contributed to make it a really bright, really quick, high-energy, high pace session, and,
2: uh, and it looked terrific. One of the things that I thought about uh, that I that I wondered is how the players are reacting to this. Because, you know, you've got two different groups of guys. Some of these guys are used to this kind of stuff. I'm sure Frank O'Hara has been through more managers than uh, than Underwear over the years. And, and, I, and I'm sure some of these South American guys come from clubs that, you know, change managers every year. And so this isn't unusual then. But I do wonder what the Brandon Cervanias, Edwin Cerrios, Paxton Pomichols, um, Edward, you know, two Amase-type guys must be thinking right now because if if the manager ends up being Ferruzzi or Eric Quill, they probably feel pretty safe. But if Zanata gets his way, again, we're all speculating here, uh, and brings some guy up from South America, I wonder if they feel as secure as they normally would uh, if it if it wasn't one of those two other guys.
1: You know... Uh, you hear little nibbles and you hear a little chatter. And I think that both the behavior of the team on the field and and some kind of things I hear, I think there's been been a little bit of tune out over the last, you know, three or four weeks that people had gotten a little bit tired of the status quo as it was. You know, we, we talk a lot about these coaching cycles, three to five years or whatever, and Lucci was coming down to the end of year three. So it was getting close to the end of, a cycle and the progression was going the wrong way. Um, I think the players recognize that as much as anybody. And if you're a young player that has a lot of confidence in your ability, then you're probably really excited about a fresh opportunity. That's some where some of the coach bounce will come from. And the other side of that coin is if you're a veteran guy, you've seen it a million times, but you know that the new coach who it could be the guy you're playing for right now, but let's say even if you don't think it's a likely scenario well, the new guy is going to come in and watch every single game you're going to play for the next eight games, maybe more. They record and, and do video sessions on every single training session. They have advanced data from every training session with GPS. The new coach is going to have access to all that stuff. So you're playing in a lot of ways. You're not just playing for Marco right now. You're playing for the next guy who's going to show up in November.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, whether it's Marco or whether it's a new guy, he's still going to get the look at all that same stuff. So you're trying to make an impression and play for your career. Because when you have a team that's in the situation this one is, if you don't make the playoffs, if it goes the wrong direction, it gets even worse. You know, half this team could be gone. And when a, you get dumped from a bad team, you don't get picked up by Atlanta and Seattle. You get picked up by the USL Championship. So if you want to stay in MLS or Cincinnati or, Cincinnati, but, or more than likely even somebody worse than Cincinnati, you're, you can end up or out Houston. of the game. You can end up out of the this league and out of the game completely yeah. So when you get cut from a bad team. So, it, you know, it, people are going to be playing for to be spotted by more or maybe you're playing to get spotted by another team. Yeah. If I'm going to be out of here at the window, I better show somebody that I'm worth keeping in Major League Soccer.
2: All right, then let, run with me uh, a little bit here. I, I have a belief that the X factor in all of this, in, in terms of just players, is Ricarte. And the reason why I feel that way is this. Zanata found him, brought him in. Uh, he came with a whole bunch of hype. Uh, Valderrama was talking about how he was the best midfielder playing uh, in, uh, out, coming out of Colombia. Uh, from the Colombian Leagues. Uh, We've heard since then that Leonel Alvarez was a big fan of his. Uh, We were told all sorts of great things about him, and he's quietly just kind of uh, disappeared from this team while Lucci was the coach. And we've all talked about how we feel like it was a weird weird fit. And I do wonder, again, this goes back to the whole Zanata influence thing, which is I wonder if we're going to suddenly start seeing that dude in the lineup more and more in these last eight games. Either mm. A, because somebody says, play that guy and play him in this kind of formation so we get the most out of him. Or B, hey, you need to play him so we can put him in the shop window so we can get rid of him. You see what I'm saying? I, that's, that's why I think he's like the X factor in all of this.
1: Well, it's easy to get rid of. You just don't turn his loan down. And that's easy.
2: Oh, is that what happens? It's up yeah. at the end of this season?
1: Yeah. I, it's at the end of the season with an option to buy, if I remember correctly. But... Yeah. Um, the X factor is interesting because as you say, I agree with you that I think he could be a tremendous asset and he has not been. Um, but you remember what they said in the press conference that the offense is great and the defense is bad. And then I can't remember whether Mark, where I saw Marco said it. I don't remember. If he said it to me or whether it was in yesterday's media stuff where he said basically like, you have to take advantage of the things that are going well and try and fix the things that are going bad. Well, the thing that's going well is the offense. It's, Pepe, it's Jesus. It's last couple games, O'Brien. It's Shun. It's Paxton. It's that combination up front. Well, that's where Ricciardi would need to play. And it doesn't sound to me like they're going to mess with that. It sounds to me like what they're going to try and fix is the defense, as Dan Hunt said, like 30 times in that press conference. And based on what I saw in training, I don't think Ricardi's starting this weekend. Now, okay. if they don't win this weekend, then... You know, it's going to change. As somebody reminded me earlier that last time Mark was in charge, the lineup that he did the first day, the first game, was a little bit of like, okay, y'all are veterans. Here's your chance. And then, like, within a game or two, he started changing things. And within a couple of games, he got them playing better with some different kind of bodies going on. So it's entirely possible we might see that same sort of activity that, okay, we knew that this was good, and we got to fix these couple of things. If we start going a game or two and things aren't moving the way I want, we're going to change things radically, and then we'll see. But... Short-term, no, I don't, I don't think you're going to see Andres Sakarte this weekend.
2: Okay. Well, the other aspect to him being an X-Factor is if he doesn't play. Because, again, he's one yeah. of Zenata's signings, and they made a big deal out of him coming here and being something that he turned out not to be. Yeah. And if he ends up just disappearing after even more, I mean, disappearing to the point where he's not even on the team next year, I think that's a super bad look on Zenata, and yet another mark in his time as technical director here. Yeah.
1: You have to consider that Philippe's his guy, too.
2: Another guy. Uh, yeah. He signed Vargas. He signed Obreon. Sh- shown. Um, yeah. Yeah, Sean we like so far. Yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna hold uh, Hara against him. No, that's Dan. Right? Yeah. Uh, he brought us Tiago Santos, but then he took Tiago Santos away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. T- taking Tiago Santos away right before the season is killer.
2: You know, you you
1: could make the cases that that's the reason that she got fired in the end because that to start the season without Tiago Santos crushed the first start of the season and that basically put you in a hole.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know what? I really feel like we all have failed as media members in the press conference on Monday when none of us, and I, I accept this uh, blame as much as anybody else, we did not inquire about the impact of the sale of Tiago Santos and how much that played into the ultimate. Results of this season.
1: I think, remember the time we talked about how we understood it as a business move, but man, that really was going to screw Lucci over. I know. And that's really what that's happened.
2: Why, <laughs> that's why I think the question was a fair game yeah. in that press conference. And if I ever get a chance to talk to either one of those guys again, I promise I will, I will push on the, that again because I feel like it should have been asked. I, I should have asked it, and I didn't. Um, well, you did at uh, least ask him if he
1: felt culpable. So, I mean, that was,
2: Well, I, that was kind of going there, right? That was yeah. kind of part of the reason why. And to, and to be fair to Andre, he said, yeah, he did feel culpable. He did feel responsible. Although yeah. most of its answer, he just tried to pass off the part that he had said in Spanish 45 seconds earlier. And I don't speak <laughs> Spanish, so I don't know what he said. And then I got cut off before I got to ask him to say it back in English. But anyway, that's another thing for another day um all right well i do find that all of that uh, fascinating like you do buzz this is an interesting yep. time so vancouver is up the yep. game is uh this saturday it is up in vancouver it is a road game and it's a 9 p.m game um uh, and it will be on tex uh, txa 21 i don't know who's doing play-by-play for the team i don't know if it's mark or not or if it's owen uh but uh, certainly steve davis will be there in terms of lineups what should we be mm. looking forward to for this
1: Well, you can imagine that when you score four goals in two games, that O'Brien's back uh, course. Pepe will be in there. Jesus will be in there. Squirt it in my veins, Obreon. More, hot Obreon. O'Brien. More O'Brien. Right now, I think Paxton's still the first choice, but Shun's definitely in the mix there at at that position, only because O'Brien scored twice. O'Brien hadn't scored. I think it would be Shun and and Paxton. um, And then uh, midfield-wise... Today first choice was Faco and Acosta, but Cervania definitely got in there and and Surreal got in there, you know, in terms of competition. Uh Ryan Hollingshead is still out. Uh, Marco told me that Ryan's injury is not serious and that he and, and Ryan and the training staff will be discussing whether uh how soon he's ready to come back and you know, if he is ready. Uh, and clear by the training staff that he would, of course, be in competition to play right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're seeing well, today I saw some Manjoma left back, and uh, I saw um, Tomasi and um, Che competing at right back. And then uh, in the middle, first choice, Brisson is back. So Brisson is obviously first choice again. Um, I saw a little bit of rotation with Martinez and Tafari, but mostly it's Brasan and Hedges, it looks like. And then the big news, of course, the best news is Jimmy Maurer's back in training. Hopefully that means Jimmy Maurer could start. Well, wait a second.
2: No, I think you're burying the lead here. Are you saying that Tefari is not gonna start? That's the impression I got based on rotations. Why in the hell would they take him out off the field? He's the best he's been the most consistent defender on this team running now for what, eight, ten weeks, Dan?
0: Uh, something like that.
2: Okay, thank you. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: <laughs> Welcome. <laughs>
2: All right, whatever. Go ahead, Buzz. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. To that.
1: No, uh, you know, I I think that Brisson, uh, if he's back off injury, I think Brisson is a no brainer based on the way he was playing and what's been missing. And so, am I wrong about Tefare? No, no, you're not. But you're you're also talking about hedges and and and. Um, Feruzzi who've known each other for a very, very long time.
2: But Hedges has not
1: been good this year. Well, you're talking to the wrong person. If you want to complain about the lineup, I'm just telling you what I witnessed.
2: I no, No, I'm, but I'm asking you for insight as to why yeah, they I would don't sit their best defender and maybe it's an organization thing, but I don't you know, maybe Matt's a better organizer of this team than I think he is, but I, I don't know. Well, I'm just when you say that when you say that what I think is the best defender on this team all season is being sat after the coach got fired, yeah. I just I'm surprised by that. Sorry.
1: Well Nikosi was one of the guys that had a really strong reaction today. <laughs> he was obviously not too happy. Uh, he didn't say anything. I'm just going based on his effort and energy and the fact that he absolutely crushed Frank O'Hara that he may have had some trying to prove a point that maybe I should be in there with Prasanna or Hedges and that he may agree with you that he should be playing. Um, Now, the one thing I wanted to say about Marco that I didn't was that if you you go back to remember what I told you about him playing his cards close to his vest, uh, he's well aware that I'm standing there watching. Now, you may think this is ridiculous, but Thursday and Friday practices are closed. And today... Uh, we did not see I did not see a full field eleven versus eleven session. I only saw half field eleven versus eleven where they 're working on particular mechanics, so the rotations i 'm watching are not the rotations of this is the full field concepts we 're using for the game this weekend and and Marco specifically said to me at one point that i 'm not going to give away everything i 'm doing talking to the media and for me, with Marco, it would not shock me at all if he's decided that the first two days of training, I'm just going to mix up all these things and try all these different combinations with zero thought as to who actually will be starting this weekend. And it's not till Thursday or even Friday that he'll actually get into starting. So I'm less confident than I have been in a long, long time from watching training that that means that Hedges and Brisson are starting. You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: no, I get it.
1: So I, I, I I tell you what—that's that was the first rotation I saw today. And again, Tafari did not seem particularly happy. So, you know, we'll see.
2: Yeah, don't make. I'm not trying to. I'm not killing the messenger. I'm just. I was surprised at the at the way you kind of uh, you brushed over that because that really catches me off guard. I mean, if we get to Vancouver and find out that Tafari is not starting. I'm going to be a little surprised by that. Well, you remember, what I,
1: remember what I said about if Marco wasn't doing stuff based on the idea that you're playing for the next season. That's kind of what I meant. Like if, if you're Marco and you've known hedges for ever and he's played for you forever and you're like, I got to win one game, one game only. Am I playing hedges or am I playing safari? I, you might go hedges if you're Marco.
2: Mm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Based I mean, on because, this season, if it's me, yeah. it's Defare all day, all night. But. Sure, but you, you're not
1: 14 seasons with Matt Hedges. I, know. I, I get you know, it. Yeah. I hear you. I and hear the, you. the reason I say that is because, like, he was adamant today. Marco was when I. This is not with a recorder running, so it's not like a quotable quote that's getting thrown on the air. He was adamant today that it's right now. It's only about Vancouver, and that's it. One oh, game. no,
2: and that's clearly the internal yeah. message because if you go back and listen to any of the players uh video stuff that they supplied the media they're all saying the same thing it's like paxton is like yeah we're all we care about is vancouver all we care about is vancouver all you know it was the it was the most boring interview you could possibly imagine you could tell he was really put out by it because he was told to say nothing other than all we care about is vancouver
1: yeah and and dan would know this as well too that if sometimes if you have a new coach sometimes they lean hard on vets you know if you're talking about a team that's lacked a little leadership, maybe you're going to lean hard on Hedges, and maybe you even had a meeting with Hedges and, like, dude, look, I need more from you. I need you to be a leader. I need you to step up here.
0: I was waiting for a break to say that. Oh, oh sorry, I tried to set you up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, Marco has worked with Matt Hedges for what eight of his 10 years, uh, Matt's 10 years, that is eight, eight of Marco's 14 years. Um, He's never worked with Tafaro. He hasn't worked with Brisson, but he knows Brisson is a, an experienced guy. He knows what he's getting. He, he's going to, in those first few days, like you say, he's going to lean on those veteran guys, guys that he knows, guys that he knows are workers who can maybe, you know, you, you're kind of starting from scratch. You, you're you're kind of helping on the younger guys through training. So maybe that is Matt's playing more of a role and Brian Acosta's playing more of a role. You know, it's just, it's kind of just a, a natural thing he's going to lean on the same as he's going to lean on, um, you know, Drew Keyshawn more than he's going to lean on maybe Peter scene because he's just spent more time working with him.
1: I remember Dan Hunt in the, in the press conference said something about maybe we played too many homegrowns and then talked about how crap the defense was. So mm. it wouldn't shock me if there was some, Okay, game one, I'm going to give you Hedges Brisson, Faco, and Acosta, and then we'll talk. You know? So we'll see.
2: All right. Buzz, if you, if, it, this is so funny to me to ask this question. This is um, actually, it's not funny. It's silly, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Buzz, if you got a phone call and they said, uh, Mr. Carrick, we would like for you to select our starting <laughs> 11 in <laughs> Vancouver. What is your starting uh, 11? And yes. what is your formation? Seriously, I'm asking you this question.
1: Wow. Well, you know, you're asking me without letting me know you were going to ask me this question. Um,
2: I'm just surprised I, you can't I, just I, blow it off the top of your head. Yeah. You think, I, I, I just assume you thought about this 24 <laughs> 7. No,
1: no, I mean, no one cares what I think uh, about that kind of thing. I mean, I, I what, think what, what I think the lineup should be has little to do with what's going to happen. Um, I, I would sit Paxton. I would start shooing over Paxton at left wing. I think Paxton has had a couple of downer games where he's been flat. They had three games in a week. You know, they're going to have more three games a week coming up. Paxton could use his game off. I think Shun got done hard by, by Lucci when he came back from the Euros and then didn't get right back in because he was playing really well before before that, you know. So um, and then I, I would have I also put Acosta in. I think that's pretty huge. I, I like the way Brandon's been playing. I like the way Shireel's been playing, but Acosta's the DP, Acosta's prime of career. Acosta is a big time huge player in this team. He should be in there. I don't have actually any problem with a Brisson Hedges combo.
2: Okay.
1: Um without hauling said, I think Majuma's your only response on the right. I, I was actually tempted to suggest this week that um or I would not have been shocked by this week if you'd have rolled out there, swear from left to right, Martinez, Brisson, Hedges, Tafari. Four center backs across the back because Martinez can left back and Tafari can right back or, or flip Tafari and Brisson because Brisson can right back too. Just to sort of go all defensive and lock it down and solidify and stop bleeding goals. That would not have shocked me. You know, I'd have been tempted by that in the situation where I've given up three goals a game for five straight games. I would have been tempted to go heavy, heavy defensive like that.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Did you say who you wanted up top or did – I didn't remember. I didn't oh, Pepe, of course. You wanted Franco Haro. Yeah, no, Fra-
1: Haro's in. Franco Haro's in. No, no,
2: but who did you have at the Wings?
1: <laughs> I, I told you, O'Brien and Shun. Oh, sorry. I benching I that Paxton, part. remember? Oh, that's
2: right.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was in shock after you said that. Yeah. yeah,
2: because I was actually thinking if I was if they made the call to me, um, I was going to play Faco and Paxton and Jesus in the middle. Paxton is pa- as, as a deep eight? as, as an eight, yeah. Oh, no, Christ. playing no no. Play Faco as a single, oh, and play them as and play and and play them as the double eights as he started the season when they were actually playing really well. When it was uh, him yeah, and whoever else, whoever the two double eights were at that time when they were playing really well, um, and play it that way, and then put Shun and O'Brien on the wings and Pepe and uh, the up the,
1: top. the double eight where they had the two amazing games in a row. With double eight was Ricarte Acosta as a double right. Eight. That's what, yeah. I, but
2: that formation is what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. But with I, Paxton and 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 uh, Hayes, sure, sure, yeah. yeah,
1: far away. Go ahead, that'd be awesome. Why not? Yeah. They, they,
2: they, they're not winning anything this season. Let's try some new. Let's try some new shit, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean,
1: offensively, that formation is awesome. I'd be happy to see the double eight all day. The problem is, is that unless unless Maurer's back and Brisson's back, which it looks like they probably are, it's the colossal bleeding of goals that was actually killing this team for the last four, or five games. Thankfully, those two guys are back, so that's going to actually, that probably is going to solve that problem without actually having to do anything.
2: (laughs) I I tend to think that uh, FACO has a level of discipline to play that position properly and provide better cover than maybe a Cervania and uh, 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 Serio do combined. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, yeah, I, I buy that.
2: Just based on youth and experience and all of that, I just wonder.
1: Oh, well, yeah. The sixth position is uh, like a goalkeeper in a way. A young six is so rare. I mean, that's one of the things that was so crazy about Grezo was yeah. how young he was because usually a six, or quite often a six is about game reading and positioning. You know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's a player like Oscar who's slotting back at the end of his career or Deering, same thing. It's guys mm-hmm. that can read the game at a really high level and play ahead of the game at a really high level. You know so it's Michael Bradley is a good example of a guy that moved back to that position later in his career Beckerman probably even too.
2: yeah uh, my boy okay. Beckerman I know you're a big Becks fan oh my gosh yeah uh, all right anything else that we need to talk about Dan you came in late did you have any, did you have any uh, post Lucci podcast thoughts that you wanted to throw in that you didn't get to at the beginning when we talked about this I did not I'm afraid I'm uh, coming in pretty light today all right no worries uh, Buzz, anything else that we need to cover? Uh, I have a big picture
1: sort of thought because I did talk to Eric Quill today too, and uh, as well as Marco. And between those two conversations and the, and the, the press conference with um, Dan and uh, Zanata, I have a big picture macro feeling that nothing is going to happen here with a coach until... November till the end of the season that effectively Marco has the rest of the season and that they're not even going to really be looking. They'll be fielding resumes between now and then, but my, I'm just left with this feeling that nothing is happening until the season's actually over that. It's a blank that, slate. Doesn't, for,
2: but doesn't that conflict with your suggestion that something about this feels different when it comes to the Zenata part of it?
1: No, no, because um. Basically. Basically, they they my my impression comes from multiple conversations and, and and the press conference when I combine it all together and Zanata in that press conference said that he would be running the search but that it hasn't even started, right? So right. it's gonna take, you know, and based on things guys told me and based on things other guys have told me, I really do feel that they've given Marco these eight games, and that. The team is and the club is basically just going to sit on their hands until the end of the season, and then they will begin the coach search. Now, the, the reason I think it's important to, to talk about that idea is because at the end of the season, really quickly, you have to make roster decisions. If you're a non-playoff team, you have to start doing stuff within a week or so, you have a little bit longer than you do if you make the playoffs because there's going
2: to be an expansion draft that's going to happen, right? Right. So that terrible thing that happens where somebody wins MLS Cup and then yeah. has to start cutting people on the yeah. two days right. after. Yeah, <laughs> on the flight home,
1: right? <laughs> so the point of that is, that is that it doubles down on the idea that Zanata will be making roster decisions at the end of the season. And if, if Marco's kept as a uh, head of soccer operations, Marco also, those two guys and the committee and Dan Hunt will be making roster decisions while they're looking for a coach. So it it, it doubles down on this South American style concept where it's the technical directors making the team and I'm going to hire a coach to come in and stir this pot. And if it stinks after a year, he's out. I'm getting another guy. Now, maybe it won't be every year because this is slightly different MLS here, but it reinforces this concept that Zanata is calling all the shots roster and now coach and that it's his thing and that the coach is just going to be brought here to stir up the the ingredients after I get them for you. So that's the reason I want to talk about it because I think it's, that's very different.
2: And you, and and Quill and your opinion or your impression is he's full in uh, throwing his hat in the ring on this.
1: I, I think so. I think so. Um, I, he didn't, you know, the conversation I had with him today was a little bit just between us and I don't want to get into it too much, but, um, you know, the, the people that we put on the list as legitimate interior candidates, I think they're all for legitimate interior candidates. I don't, yeah. no one has said to me, like y'all are nuts on that one. You know, usually if I put out a list like that in the past and there was somebody on there that's been nuts, somebody will tell me like, no way, dude, that one would never happen. Cause X, Y, Z, that doesn't happened. You know and I and I know quill uh, well enough to know that absolutely he has the ambition to be an MLS coach you know so uh, I, I without getting into specific details I, I would be stunned if he's not at least a legitimate candidate but that if that's true and I and I really believe it is he's in the same boat as Marco you know his team's founder a little bit he won a championship in year one but year two not so good. So, you know, he would be in the same
2: coaching may, for the gig boat. He may have even gotten done harder in terms of rosters than Lucci did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. His <laughs> his
1: roster this year is a mess. And it's worse for him because every week it's like, I'm sending you a dude and you're going to play him. And I want you to be developing some guys. So, like, there's some guys that he has to play that are about long term development ideas. And he has to play them a certain amount, even if it's going to hurt his team. And it often does. Yeah. So, and he's also trying to put it together with zero budget at all. And he had to go find all these kids, and they're all 18 years old, and they have trouble closing out games. And, you know, if he had 100% control of his team, it would be very different. It's very inconsistent week to week lineup wise. It's hard to build consistency because of those factors. So he's fighting upstream against that. Uh, but at the same time, he knows that it's a performance, and Marco does too, both those guys know this, it's a performance-based business, man, and both of those guys have a chance to prove their mettle by winning on the field over the next month or two. So, I mean, some in some ways, that's a challenge that coaches relish. I'm going to get done, watch me, you know? Mm-hmm. Everyone, they all feel that way. Every single guy you ever talk to that wants this coaching job, they all say, I totally know I can fix it. I've got I got X, Y, Z, and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to come in, we're going to do this, and I'm going to fix it, and we're going to get in the playoffs. You know, every, They all believe in their ability and that they can get it done. Without, or they mm-hmm. wouldn't be at that level if they weren't that confident.
2: Yeah, there's a part of me that would love to see them just use these eight games to... Uh, test things out for next season and look at different opportunities and try different players and stuff and just, you know, smoke the rest of the season in terms of not worrying about making the playoffs because I think that's such a, a far-flung dream, um, but maybe watching them really try to make a run at it would be entertaining, but also could be crushingly disappointing too at the same time.
1: It'll be most fascinating if they try and shake it up, Marco in particular. If if we Marco like within one game or two is disgusted and is like oh, that's it, and then tries some crazy crap, that'll be fun. Because <laughs> I'm with you. There's no way. It's not just the points. It's the games in hand and how many teams are in the way. There's no yeah. way. No, you're no. not
2: making the playoffs. No, unless you win out. I mean, who's they're not winning out. But they don't even own their. But they don't even control their own destiny, Buzz. I, I haven't even done the math because it's stupid. Well, no, they don't. I mean, I, I, now, look, I suck at math, so somebody's going to you know, come back and go, Peter, you're terrible at math and you have this wrong, but I'm 99% sure that even if they win all of their games, are, assuming uh, that, doesn't put them in a, that doesn't put them in a playoff spot because there are too many teams in front of them with games in hand already, additionally, that could also win out all their games and would be in front of them. I mean, if you win out, that's
1: 24 points. I mean, that's, well, that would be the end.
2: Right? Well, I mean, but the, yeah, but that but that doesn't mean you still control your destiny because that means other teams could also win out.
1: Oh, I see what you mean.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that would put them yeah. in a good position to do it. Well, uh, but that doesn't guarantee them a playoff spot.
1: No, I would, if they
2: If they were to win out, I would imagine they would get in. You would. Know, oh well, sure. That would be uh, one of the greatest runs in the league's history. That'd be like that'd be like a Seattle type. I mean, run. they'd
1: be at fifty-one points. That would be ridiculous. I mean, you would get in at fifty-one.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Dan, are you doing okay, bud? Sorry things didn't work out and getting you on very much today.
0: No, no. It's, uh, you know, uh, uh, setting up a business. It's uh, every hour's a work hour, unfortunately.
2: Hold on. I want to play a game. I want to play a game of what kind of business is Dan setting up? Hmm. Is it a bar? No. Is it a hat shop, a haberdashery? Is a hatter?
0: No, no. no.
2: You are a hatter. That is true. Is it soccer related in any way, shape, or form?
0: Um one of my clients is a soccer club. Mm. Oh. Nice. All right. All right.
2: Dresses? Is it a dress shop? That that wouldn't make sense. Okay, so uh, Dallas goes to Vancouver. They got to win. Everything's on the line. Everybody's job is in danger and jeopardy. Oh, yeah. The world might end. Nine o'clock, Channel 21. Uh, go team, go! Uh, don't forget that third degree. The podcast is brought to you by Soccer Ninety. That is your source for all of your international club gear, FC Dallas stuff, and U.S. national team gear. They've got new stuff in the mail that you can get right now. In fact, it includes even the Ronaldo jersey, and I even think I saw a messy PSG setup that you can order there. Oh, including yeah. things from Juventus, Arsenal, and more. And you're a third degree listener, so you get that twenty five percent off your order when you use the code third degree at checkout at soccer90.com well thank you once again dan uh hopefully we'll get more of you next week
0: yes that's two in a row of uh of, i've only done half of well if you discount the midweek one, early earlier this <laughs> week one.
2: right without yeah so now you've done one full
0: pod over the course of two that's <laughs> not bad and i'm gonna miss next week no oh what's happening next week i'm I'm, I'm taking a short vacation so I'm heading out of town tomorrow night and I won't be back until after the Hall of Fame game. Buzz,
2: do we know any other English guys that we could, you know, call in here so we have some, you know, legitimacy
0: to the I
1: podcast? Mean, it's not English but we can call Juno. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, I call in for vacation. I mean, Maybe I'm crazy.
0: No, well, I'm, I'm not just going saying... to watch the Vancouver game so yeah. I'm going to be useless. Right.
2: Okay. Fair enough. Well, uh, we're taking applications for an English uh, voice on the pod, just in case Dan decides he
0: doesn't want to do I this anymore. I will give you coaching and the accent if you need it. Okay. we can call got
1: Wayne. Wayne's the West Ham guy, right? Isn't he? He's English.
0: Is he British or English? You would hear some amazing takes on the Hunt family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: We've been counting on that from you, Dan, frankly.
0: Uh, uh, look. We don't want to get into Cockney Rhyme and slang, do we? <laughs> no, Dan we Hunt. don't.
2: All right. Well, have fun on your vacation, Dan, and thank you, Buzz. I, thanks for all the insight and thoughts and putting up with me, uh, asking you silly questions, but sometimes those are the most fun ones.
1: Yeah, it's all right, dude. I, I was just thinking that I'm hoping soccer night is going to get the Weston McKinney Arsenal jerseys after he gets traded.
2: Oh, You think he's it's going fun. to Arsenal, do you?
1: Wasn't that the swap thing that was mooted today? The Weston for uh, – I can't remember.
2: Um, Aubameyang?
1: I can't remember who it was. A Bobby Yang? Thought it was for Weston. Thought it was for Arsenal. Maybe I was wrong about what team it was. Shakiri. Where's Shakiri at? Is he at Arsenal?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's the swap I heard.
2: Shakiri's not at Arsenal. Shakiri used to be at Liverpool and got sold off to some like Austrian team or something. I thought.
0: I don't remember.
1: There was somebody with Weston being swap deal with Weston and Arsenal, and I was like, man, that'll be fun. Now a few
0: weeks ago, it was Tottenham. Yeah. Well, you
1: know what, what Tottenham wants, Arsenal wants, or vice versa. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, it was also Burnley. Don't forget Burnley. We're talking about. There was a Burnley club. one oh, yeah, in yeah, there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm sure wherever Weston goes, Soccer 9 will get the uh, mockups for you. I mean, it's
0: like oh, Brian... it's a granite Xhaka. Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go for yeah. Weston One of the other. Sherry, Xhaka, any Whatever. name with an X in it. Yeah, right? yeah. it's a name. How many They're X both Swiss? Yeah, how many Swiss
1: football f- players with an X in their name could there be?
0: Right, he's going to get swapped for Reto Ziegler. Yeah. Well, Wait, there's no X. X in Shakiri, it yeah, just
1: yeah.
2: sounds like there is. Oh. Same thing. Yeah. Whatever. Well, this is a terrible dismount. Yeah. Uh thank you. <laughs> it SC would be Dallas. better if you
0: played enter Shakiri, but we don't want to get into copyright problems. Oh yeah. I don't get that job. Those hips don't lie, Peter. The band? Oh. No, that's Shakira. Oh. No, that's somebody different. Oh man. Oh my god, this is this is a terrible dismount.
2: Now I now know what the uh, cold open is. Go ahead. I'm gonna drink some bleach now all right thank you fc dallas curious fan <laughs> well somehow figure out a way to do a show another episode next week of third degree the podcast i screwed it up third degree the third degree never podcast third
0: degree the third degree never podcast third degree the third degree never podcast third degree and the green air bucket.